0: Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, we welcome our man behind the scenes, Mike Gillis. Hey there. And we also welcome freelance writer, Liana Hafer.
1: Buongiorno.
0: Ah, uh, that is very fitting. <laughs> uh, we're all trying to we're all trying to fit in as we as, as we go to the Italian wine country uh to inherit our birthright vineyards we've never seen Uh. Uh, today (laughs) today we're talking about 100 days uh winemaking simulator from broken arms games it is exactly what it says on the tin it's a winemaking simulator though lots abstracted but we'll get into that um and we ran a review of it that was terrific on uh on on waypoint uh from from chris lawn uh, it was Chris who kind of put this on my radar. I was excited to dig into it, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Like, this is, it scratched a lot of itches. It is a game of really nice vibes overall. I will also say it is a game like a lot of management games, where as the as the uh, focus moved from, like, setting things up to just watching them run and then increasing their scale, my interest began to fall off very rapidly. Uh, but that's my experience. And within those constraints, it was still a pretty good time. How did, how did y'all find it?
1: Um, I, I didn't mind it. Uh, I think, I think there's going to be, there's going to be a clear uh, progression here from, from like love to like to uh, maybe not like based on uh, Mike and I talking before the show. Um, I thought that, mechanically it was it was okay uh there's like a you play like basically a tetris mini game like a tetris time management mini game um to to sort of uh, every task you have to do in the winemaking process has to be slotted into this grid that you can upgrade over time which
0: your day your personal time yeah. is represented as like a board
1: right yeah yeah um and you you know there's things like you know, pruning the grapes and uh fermentation, but also stuff like cleaning your machines and all this stuff that you have to do periodically. Um, that part of it I didn't mind. I actually I kind of liked season over season, you know, doing the wine tasting, seeing what people thought of my wines, and then they'll tell you what they didn't like about it. And then the next year you kind of figure out how you can refine that process to get higher and higher up. Um or you just make an Oak Chardonnay that you gets a 94 on the first try because it's it's a no-brainer, easy mode, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Which is basically accurate, to be yeah. clear. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, that part of it, I, I enjoyed a fair bit, although I do agree with you that the more you scale up, the less fun it gets, kind of, um, especially because your operating costs as you expand your facilities, your, like, baseline, just everyday expenses go up, so you feel like you don't have as much room to, like, mess up an experiment as you used to when you're paying $150 a day for your warehouse instead of $50 or whatever. Um so you you know there's kind of the there's kind of the temptation there to just like turn churn out some two buck chuck to keep the lights on while you're <laughs> perfecting your like uh your master you know oak yeah. cask barbera or whatever. Um but the writing is like water torture. Oh, <laughs> come know. on, gang. <laughs> All right. The writing uh, is so Mike. bad. Um Yeah.
0: Mike, you were sitting there with Google Translate <laughs> open, just hating on this game.
2: Uh, oh man. Man. Uh yeah. I like to take notes before I, I do a three MA episode and, and I wrote down <laughs> I want to die more than once.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, and based on what you were telling me, it sounds like that if you actually play it in the original Italian and translate it, it's not that bad. But for some reason, the English localization. I like I can't tell if they're fucking with me, I can't tell if like they were trying to be ironic and funny or if like this was like, it's so painfully. Oh, let me find the screenshot. Um your, your, your character is presented as, like, kind of this arch-millennial. It's very much in the, like, Stardew Valley genre of, like, millennial gets the chance of a lifetime to escape the corporate hel- hellscape and go do agriculture uh, story. Um, but yeah, she says things like, Your generation is always putting us down, doubting our abilities and mocking our memes, but we are resilient. <laughs> like, that's an actual line that your character says
2: yeah yeah that's that's not in the Italian according okay. to my google translate anyway. okay
1: so maybe it was just the localization team was was uh, responsible well
2: a lot of it is in the Italian like um not 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 to not to belabor the uh the localization thing too much but um the characters are the characters and and they have okay. the backgrounds that they have um but uh the I, I think there was definitely a, a spin put on it by um, by the, the English localizers that uh, just just takes it to a whole other level. Well, yeah, there's
1: like <laughs> there's like intrigue where like there's like a wine consortium that Matt that's mad because you're on a podcast. Except the girl boss about- <laughs>
0: who's part of it is Chell. What right. is that? The girl boss who's part of that consortium is Chell.
1: Oh, yeah, no, she's totally cool. Yeah, she's fine. But yeah, they're, <laughs> this this podcast, these people, they don't respect my authority. Like, I think I actually spit actual wine out of my mouth.
0: Okay, but hold on. Hold hey, on. God. We've been doing this show for how many years, Len? We know that is absolutely a reaction people get to like oh, yeah. people having the temerity to have an opinion on a podcast like this. Is like, yeah, it's probably the same everywhere. There's there's almost certainly like in in the wine world, there's there's like insecure name searching, uh, like like vintners <laughs> was, just be like, this just... is bullshit.
1: W- but, like, the wording is just so, like, Bond villain, like, this podcast, these people, they don't respect my authority. Like- oh,
0: yeah, it's it's very, like, you got high after watching Ratatouille and made a game. Um, like, it's, it, it's, like, what if we made the whole game around, like, egos, uh, like, you know, scenes in his sort of lair um, as he's oh. kind of, like, destroying Linguini. Uh, but, yeah, I think yeah it's uh, the the writing is overall okay actually here's my actual beef with it um (laughs) so i know this is very like boy the food is really terrible i know in such small portions um but i actually am in the such small portions camp because i think (sighs) one of the issues with the uh story is that these characters never move beyond just like really crude caricatures Mm-hmm. And also it doesn't effectively tutorialize itself. You are taught such extremely rudimentary things yeah. that there is no sense of. So the way the story unfolds uh, to to give people a a quick sense of what, what's going on. Uh, Len is correct. I think the description of your character as an arch millennial is extremely apt. It is you are you could not be a more like. No thoughts, head empty millennial. <laughs> um, then this woman from the world of like English advertising or marketing or whatever, who inherits her long-lost relative's uh winery. But she is herself like like she is uh, you know, someone who probably like left Italy as a small child uh and is now coming back to it to inherit this this vineyard. And right away you meet your lovable nosy neighbor who gives you the rundown of like what this community is. And the first character you actually, uh, really end up relying on extensively is your, um, like is, is your like master winemaker, uh, who is this like crusty old uncle who is, you know, always, uh, being a snob and being a jerk, but you can tell he's got a heart of gold underneath (laughs) and he's going to help you. It turns out like he is, um, like the lost genius of this italian like wine community yeah and he's coming out of retirement to help you and this is like earth-shattering news
1: and then he has it turns out later he has a checkered past i don't want to spoil it for anyone yeah but it's not checkered <laughs> at all unfortunately
0: it's just yeah. like they're, they're an easily cleared up misunderstanding yeah yeah um,
1: it's
2: uh, like but- they had to they had to have some arc in their plot so they just reached into the bag and were like I guess this guy has a thing
0: I think the arc would have been fine except there's just they just didn't have enough time to build much of a story and so you have no sooner brought forth like your first harvest of grapes and produced your first bottle of wine then people are like damn you're just a natural this is incredible stuff and the game is telling you you produce a pretty average battle bottle of, yeah. of Barbera like, uh-huh. like it is not like. Uh, this game uses the wine score system that everyone's familiar with, the out of a hundred system. But the thing to know about that is post. Um, oh, what was the dude's name? Is it Robert Parker? The like super important wine reviewer. Um, I,
1: I would not know that, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, there was the Emperor of Taste was a book written about him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. It's using that um, that scale, and in the wine world, and I'm sure if you've been to a liquor store at all in the last like 20 years, like nobody really brags about a score like below 92,
1: right? Um, right.
0: So for you to have a red that's like it's a 70,
1: that's barely kind of garbage. <laughs> yeah, like <Right. laughs>
2: you're selling that as box wine on the corner and hoping for the best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Got to put some some apple juice in there to, uh, you know, cut down on some of the imperfections. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And like there's a lot of wine to go around in like France and Italy. Like
1: they
2: I the prices that you're getting for your garbage wine are, are, are pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. Like you're 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 swamped with buyers like right off the bat, even if you don't make a very good wine. It's like you're never going to have a hard time finding buyers for it. There's there's always going to be somebody.
0: Yeah, so. it's you're you're sort of so the way this is represented is you you you've created your first bottle of wine and you have every day the ability to execute at the start of the game 10 transactions. And what that amounts to is people driving up to the winery with their car. Um mm-hmm. and so they're coming to buy one bottle, two bottles, et cetera, and they're making nice profits. Um, But you're not going to get rich doing that. It's going to be a very slow process of selling through that wine, but it is enough to like, allow you to buy some upgrades and unlock um, like quote unquote technology, but basically it's just opening up more options um, Mm -hmm. for your winery, you know, new, new types of grape, but yeah, yeah, it's, the, but the, the whole story just accelerates you through this of like, like the minute basically you buy your next plot of land and start producing Chardonnay, like in really short order, the game proclaims that you've won. You've basically routed the big like wine consortium mm-hmm. nearby. You've been vindicated and you're shaking up the wine world with your new methods, which <laughs> appears to be really traditional and, and pedestrian uh, yep, winemaking yeah. technique. Uh-huh. And then yeah. you're off in endless play mode.
2: Yeah, I I, I didn't yeah. expect 100 days to actually be how long you get to grow the wine before the credits roll.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're right that it does a, a really bad job of tutorializing. Like, I don't think it ever talks to you about, like, hey, you can click on your warehouse, and then you can expand your warehouse and put more shelves in it. Like, it never tells you that. I just found it by accident, Uh, you know it doesn't it doesn't really teach you about you know buying new machines and what the different machines do you kind of just have to like find them in a in a catalog and look at the descriptions um yeah it, de- it definitely doesn't help you scale up in any significant way
2: yeah and then you're just sort of placed there in in the endless mode without the story such as it as it is to to bring you along through it and then you just have the game mechanics to kind of stare at and it really is like the central thing is a big tetris field where mm-hmm. um each of your tasks for that particular season form some kind of tetrisy shape and i think on the surface without seeing how that looks you might think well that sounds interesting you know maybe maybe there's some sort of uh clever thought that went into how these shapes work or how they kind of fit together or how you're going to exactly slot in, um, all of the things that you want to manage. But, uh, to me, it really doesn't seem like a whole lot of thought was put into that stuff. They're just kind of, well, this is this shape. There's, there's not a lot of variety, uh, and it just kind of feels like you're stuck with what you're stuck with and you often can't do a whole ton of stuff in, in a season um, unless you pay for these, you know, increasingly super expensive um, upgrades of your, of your board size. And that's okay, I guess. But then uh, you've also got to like, like you were saying, Len, uh, open up your, your three outbuildings and go in and dig through the menu in there to find out that you can clean the, press or you can clean your your tank or whatever. And you you hit that in there and that generates a shape. So if you escape all of those menus, you go back up to your Tetris board and then you can find this place for that. But that seems really awkward. And that's kind of the the central the central thing that you're managing throughout the 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 turn. There's you know, you don't have a lot of other things going on that you might have in a more a uh, fully featured management game. It's very much like this is it and sometimes when you're doing things with your wine, you have a th- couple of things you can you can go up and down a few notches on a on a slider with um but it it's pretty trimmed down to me. I didn't get a lot of excitement out of that.
1: I did like I liked the parts that felt more simulationy. Like I liked refining my process year over year like okay, I need to I need to minimize the tannin at this stage because when we press it later, that's going to add more tannin back in. So like if I have it set perfectly at this stage, when I get to this stage, we're going to overshoot. So like figuring out that whole order of operations and like what the the must or whatever should look like at each stage to hit those target numbers. I found that to be interesting. The Tetris stuff, it just feels very artificial. Like every other upgrade in the yeah. game is something that it makes sense that you would see at a winery. Like eventually you can even set up like agritourism where you're just making money day over day giving tours. Um But like upgrading your board, which is one of the most expensive things you can do, especially at the end where you're paying for like a corner, like three extra squares. <laughs> like they don't represent that as like hiring more staff or anything. It's just like the one part of the process that is... Completely disconnected in any way from trying to pretend to be a simulation of winemaking, and I just thought that was kind of awkward. Um, like I didn't really mind that it, it there is a Tetris mini game involved, but the fact that like the main way of expanding your operation is this just kind of weird, abstract. It it doesn't it doesn't represent anything. Um, right and and that's like
2: the main thing that you're staring at all the time right like this is the central thing this is this Uh, is your your winery
1: right yeah so but yeah i mean i liked i liked refining that process i liked learning about all the different processes and you know getting to design your bottle and your label and stuff like i'm really into all that kind of thing um and uh, yeah, eventually you can get like special orders where it's like people will come in and buy large amounts in bulk. Although even that system, I felt like was a little underdeveloped because it kind of just gives yeah. you random ones. And it gives
0: you a fame <laughs> yeah. score that doesn't really matter much. Like, right. like it, it's a kind of a meaningless resource. Um, I didn't mind the Tetris board thing in part. Like I think you're what you're trying to, I think what it's trying to bring across and, and to some extent succeeds is that it is not, a perfectly efficient process where you just fill up the hours based on like mm-hmm. what you're doing. I think the idea of going to the Tetris board thing does have the sense of all these different tasks are kind of awkwardly shaped. They sort of push and pull in different directions. And so part of what you're doing is trying to figure out like one, one process, like where the board is going to open up big, big enough for you to do like a major task. Um, or whether it's worth just, like, slotting in some more minor tasks uh, into that small gap. I think that stuff worked okay. It's a cute little gamey abstraction. Um, But I think, for me, it's... It just started to feel like the game needed a bit more friction uh, than it really has, which is... Mm -hmm. Like, I definitely... The only times I got into trouble was when I'd overinvested in upgrading the winery and was like temporarily short on cash but beyond that like i kept making pretty good money um so it like like it was it was never a situation where i was in danger of running in the red for long um that's not what this that's not what this game was about for me right. it was just like like it was very effortless for me to become like the Emperor of Chardonnay, for instance mm-hmm. um, and that basically like I rode my garbage Chardonnay all the way to riches, yeah while uh-huh. never really getting very good at um at making good wine, well, yeah it's not
1: very it's not even very difficult to make good Chardonnay in this game, which I guess is somewhat realistic, but like. Yeah, you prune the you prune the vines, you throw it in a barrel for a while, and then you get like a ninety three, and it's like, all right, good enough, good enough for me.
2: Yeah, and it kind of makes me think back to um, Rob. Were you a little infamous uh, in the Waypoint world for um, your foray into industrialism in Stardew Valley? <laughs>
0: uh, that was more <laughs> my partner than me, uh, but yeah, it was like, I mean, that is kind of where the game ends up.
2: well it can but that's the thing like at least in stardew valley they think about what happens if you are um you know you go down this sort of more more intense path there's there's some story beats around it there's things that that give you some kind of um context around that to to sort of make it feel like it's part of the game but um because the story in Hundred days is so short and it doesn't really have any of these diverging paths there's no, nothing that reacts to anything you're doing aside from progressing to the next checkbox um if you do decide to just be the garbage chardonnay man there's no there, there's nothing that makes it feel like you're you're doing that inside of the game world it's just sort of a thing you're doing and and i think that's uh another kind of spot where that would have been more interesting
1: yeah. Stardew Valley also lets you get married. Like, I don't get what, 100 Days is just introducing you to all these charming, rustic Italian people, and you can't even date any of them. What the hell is up with that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> they, the, the, another thing to me, though, about about the localization is that none of these people came off to me like, like charming Italian uh, people from some, you know, idyllic area. It was more I don't know, like, your
1: neighbor, like yeah, the neighbor guy you meet first, he's he's kind of salt of the earth, sort of. Yeah,
2: T.O. T.O.'s okay, I guess, yeah, but, that's but it. most yeah. of them come off like they're written, like like all of these extremely painfully bourgeois English people who just got somehow <laughs> transported to this one little area in Italy where they all speak perfect English and they're all just being unbearable at each other.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know i felt like I, the the beginning of the game made me feel like very lifetime movie vibes like oh the the big strong farmer next door i bet something's gonna happen with this guy and then it doesn't yeah it doesn't really go in that direction at all Kinda that
2: would have just... been that would have been a great improvement <laughs> yeah uh-huh. <laughs> at least we'd have yeah. that to talk about
1: yeah um. Yeah, I don't think that like the characters pretty much stop mattering at all after the story's over, right? Like they they don't ever come back and talk to you. As far as I saw,
0: so like when you start doing other winemaking techniques, your uh mentor pops back up to talk okay. you through them. Um. But yeah, that's um. That's about it. Like inter- like the story doesn't like no more narrative stuff happens
2: yeah and and often the things that your your winemaker mentor is is saying to you is like you know there's a trade-off between quality and quantity now go do it okay (laughs) (laughs) you're right uh yeah Uh, it, it really wasn't doing a whole lot for me there um the art i thought at least though to to um to highlight some things that were appealing it does do a good job at least of you know it takes you through the seasons the colors are nice it's a very soft sort of um Mm -hmm. the way the characters are drawn and your vineyard and um the things that you interact with it's all a very kind of specific um low palette flat shading kind of um kind of animated look and and that's cute um and i think if if the the character of the game of the character of the world was a little bit different. I probably would have liked that a, a lot more. Um, but, but the combination, I, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't look past the other stuff to get to just sort of zoning out in a, in wine winemaking kind of way. I really wanted to, you know, like it sounded great. It was an ad, a weekend afternoon, uh, and I fired it up and I just, I, you know, I'm, I know I'm, I'm probably upper middle class. I'm a pretty bourgeois person. (laughs) Like, sure, I'll, I'll make some wine. Let's go for it. And it just immediately, uh, knocked me out of my potential for having a nice little time.
1: (laughs) Did, uh, did either of you play the, where you just jump right into endless mode because, I didn't check that out and I was curious because I noticed that it said like region Italy on a lot of stuff. And I, I don't know. Can you like start in other regions? Cause that would, that would potentially be something interesting so, that would add more replayability. Oh, that's a good point.
0: Yeah. I, I, I started didn't up do the endless mode.
2: Yeah. I started yeah. up endless mode. I didn't get a, a region prompt, uh, but you start with 50,000 oh. out of the gate, which is um, takes you a bit past some of the story stuff and, that's different, um, but you still have the same restrictions as far as I could tell. Like, So it's board, the, same, the same size.
1: The same grapes, the same selection of vineyards.
2: Same technologies.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Because that would have
1: been be cool. Yeah. If you could, like, you know, make champagne or even do like South Africa or Australia or something, which has very different growing conditions.
2: Yeah. It kind of makes me think I mean, is is it. Were the developers trying to really make a game about wine? Were they trying to tell the story of their, of their, you know, something about being Italian or being from this, this area? Like, is that, does that come across more interestingly in Italian? If your, your protagonist is a, an Italian woman who <clears throat> went to London and tons of people do that, right? Like uh, within, um within the, well not within the eu anymore but <laughs> uh there are a lot of italian people in london right and and that experience of coming back and being having to deal with the fact that you're actually from here and this is actually your thing um that seems like it could be interesting but it's only sort of hinted at
1: yeah the the other really very millennial thing about this this game is that they bring up multiple times the climate emergency <laughs> Because it is set in in 2021 is when your vineyard starts. But I don't think that that really paid off much either. Like there's like, you can't. No, you can't do tasks in the vineyard when it's raining. And like some years it'll rain more than others. But it's not like there's ever. Oh, you know, we're getting more rain this year because of the climate crisis. Like I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You you have
0: bad years because like a drought happens or, or something or you just couldn't do the tasks you needed to or like um like vermin or uh pests uh or like fungi get in your in your vineyards but yeah it's never like there's never because uh, I, I played into like the deep end of the 2030s and mm-hmm. um there was never a sense of like oh like the climate is just becoming less hospitable for this it didn't seem to be uh progressing um so I think most of that is just like a wrapper on like just, just framing this, which I do, which I did appreciate, but yeah, it would yeah. have been interesting to see like, Oh, some of these, like, like the amount of now money that has to be invested to keep some of these fields productive is much higher. Yeah. Um, certain you know. grapes are not growing at these locations anymore. Um, that would have been interesting. Like having, having to deal with like successive uh, like crop failures would have been interesting. Cause like, um you do get a taste of like a bad crop um can delay things for like it, a, a bad crop can do two things one you will the yield will be really poor but two frequently the yield is often kind of subpar quality um so yeah. it's it's uh that stuff would have been interesting if there were more of it. I think that that could have been cool, but yeah. there there isn't a lot of it. it. It comes up very rarely, and for the most part, the machine just runs just fine.
1: Well, and especially because yeah. it is it is like a a threat to a lot of wine regions right now in the real world. Like they're saying, we might not be able to grow Burgundy in Burgundy <laughs> for much longer. <laughs> and like you know, what do you do about that? That would have been an interesting extra challenge, and and the whole just like climate geography aspect of it. I just felt like it was always just giving me the right answer. Like I buy a new plot of land and it will tell me specifically which grapes will grow well there and which ones won't. So it's not like I'm putting any strategy into it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it does seem like, like the pieces are there that there could be, um, there's, there's potential for, the interesting parts of management simulation games to come in. If you're, if you end up, um, having to deal with some more dynamism, maybe like if, if your, your plots did change or if you had the option to change their sizes or, um, chop them up differently and experiment and go, okay, well, I've got this other grape, but maybe it's good here. Let's do two thirds of, of my main grape and one third of, of something Mm -hmm. else. Um, But um, but the fact that it's it's static um, and it it doesn't seem like the UI either really lends itself to, um, in my opinion, anyway, really lends itself to managing a whole lot of stuff. Like I didn't get to the point where I had uh, as many vineyards in there as you can purchase, because it looks like you can purchase like 10 of them. And Mm -hmm. I have no idea how how that goes, but it doesn't strike me as fun when i think about trying to manage that you
1: can eventually start hiring employees to manage some of your fields which kind of is is sort of a way that like okay you you guys put out the keep the lights on wine and i'm gonna experiment over here with with my pet project or whatever yeah Um, rob
2: i'm curious uh if you played into the 2030s um did you end up just settling into a rhythm with with a few plots, or did you just yeah did you grow like a like a vine? See see what I did there.
0: Yeah no it, it it turned yeah the way it ended up working was um so a couple there was an ironic arc to all this which was that first I was like routinely producing uh like ninety plus quality Barbera your base grape but on a small plot it was it like um it was not a high volume wine uh then i ended up buying like i had my initial chardonnay plot and then the next they're all sort of staggered priced so you expand Mm -hmm. like it's kind of clear and expand next the next one was also pretty suitable for chardonnay and i could grow a lot more of it and that immediately created a problem of like i was getting yields that i could not process and i this was the probably the most stressful the game got yeah because i was running into storage and pipeline problems like across Mm -hmm. the board where like now it was taking a year to just process the last harvest into wine and by the time that was coming in i was like running out of places to store the fresh harvest um but somewhere in all there I sort of mastered the knack of uh, making Chardonnay and my swill Chardonnay became like 90 to a hundred plus, like uh, like prestige Chardonnay. And suddenly I was just raking in a fortune for high price Chardonnay. Um, and meanwhile, like I could not get Barbera like back on its feet to save its life. It, it was just kind of turning into a, a yeah. crap, Uh harvest. Uranier. I did the same,
1: the same pivot pivot to shard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and from there I uh, started to go into um, the, the next red you get the one. I don't actually drink myself. Uh, no. Starts with an N. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. It wasn't, I, I hadn't heard of that before either. I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah. Um. So it, like that was kind of the, like I, I ended up once I had a comfortable size to my board and I had invested the things in like storing the amount of wine I had and processing it. um, It did sort of run on a kind of slightly hectic autopilot. And that's also where the game started to become less interesting because it did feel like, okay, I can see what the rest of this game is going to be. I'm going to repeat that loop of like expanding Struggling to handle the sudden onrush of new jobs and tasks and the like new volume I'm doing business in and then it'll level off and I'll be back to this and like it'll just kind of keep going and that's kind of where I lost interest uh, because it because it also wasn't like if I was making bad wine people stopped buying it Um, like I could always like it was always profitable. Pretty much, mm-hmm. um, just yeah. to just to sell garbage to the to the retailers and such. So it didn't it didn't really matter. It was always extremely lucrative. Um, and I think maybe this is in addition to like wanting friction that one direction of I wish conditions were more challenging. I wish it threw more curveballs at you in each wine growing season to be like, hey, this is tough. I also maybe wish it did lean into more of this notion because the game all its framing is like ah, uh, making wine. Such a calling, such a challenging <laughs> pursuit, and then the actual game is like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's wine, it's drinkable. Yeah, you, you can yeah. just crush this.
1: <laughs> well, um, and like you, you were talking about that reputation score, and it's like, it's not like your reputation can ever go down if you have a really bad year. Like nobody comments on it. It's like, yeah, I put out like a sixty-five. Uh, to, like it tasted like onions, and uh, it's fine. We sold like three thousand bottles of it. Uh, nobody cared nobody commented wasn't in the papers suddenly this this vineyard that's known for 90 plus wines put out like a really crap vintage uh but that's fine i'm sure they'll be back on their feet next year there's never any consequences for it
2: yeah yeah that 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 <laughs> lack of consequences kind of is it ties with that the fact that it doesn't really feel like the world is is changing at all underneath what you're doing so um, yeah so if if that's not going to change then the actual just just scaling up your your operations has to be the interesting thing but <clears throat> what you were saying, Rob kind of reminds me of um uh nebuchadnezzar the the city builder that came out recently that we ended up not doing a show on um because none of us were very excited by it and and that's a city builder right and that's kind of a management simulator in itself and one of the things I remember thinking when I was playing that was, um, I, I feel like there, there's, there's such a fine line between an interesting balancing of numbers in, in a kind of like economic simulation where you've got a certain amount of widgets being produced and yeah. something else consuming them in, in a kind of like space chemi sort of model um like some of those are really interesting like space game itself or or like some of the great impression city builders and then you can do the same basic stuff and if you get the numbers wrong or you get some amount of the modeling just off in the right way there's just it's just it can be lifeless and i think it's because you end up just looking at the problem and being like okay well I just kind of do this by rote now. Like if I made my city twice as big in Nebuchadnezzar, I'm just doing the same thing twice. And that sounds like the same kind of thing that's going on with, with the, the winemaking here is that like nothing is, is inherently, I'm not actually dealing with a more complex problem. The Tetris sort of is Uh, like, that's an issue, but it's still just kind of a bad, weird Tetris. And then everything else is, is the way it is. And it's not it's not becoming exponentially more complicated in, in some kind of engaging way.
0: Yeah, I I think the Nebuchadnezzar poll is good here, too, because Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, the thing that chased me off it was it was like more work to arrive at this exact same point, which is, yep, built this engine. It's running. It's not doing a lot of interesting things, but it is running and like puzzling out its little inefficiencies can be a thing to deal with, but like the problems were not different enough to keep me interested. And then the solution to all this was, well, we're going to create like monument types. You're gonna you're gonna sink all your excess resources into these big fuck off monuments, um, and that's going to be kind of the the measure of success here. And that wasn't particularly compelling to me, so I I just kind of pieced out. Um, but I think this doesn't even quite have that of like it doesn't feel like you're working toward anything it feels the exact same yeah producing wines in the 50s in terms of score and just selling them at volume or producing wines at 100 and selling those um at a premium but the number goes up either way it's it's not like in, in in a lot of ways like the the game seems to pretty aggressively push against this notion of um aiming for excellence in terms of your your output. Uh, most like because the game is so agnostic about like the quality of your wine um and doesn't have any sort of downward reputation uh penalty for like producing year on year crap harvests and and crap wines. Um yeah, it I think the game suffers for that and it, I think, for this to have really worked, um, there would have been, it, it would need to find ways for me to try and be more reactive in places like, if I have two bad productions in a row, and like the grapes were okay but not great, and then like whatever happened in the production process just didn't turn out great, that should become a major concern, and like. I should be trying to work out what's happening there, but instead the game goes, eh, you know, it's still, you're still basically printing money with this shit, so it doesn't really matter. I was producing, when I was producing 100 score red wine, um, the the amounts of it were small enough that it would sell through within a few turns. And then it was back to just like <laughs> shipping the Chardonnay around. And it, like, after a point, I was like, <laughs> why am I even still in this business of like artisanal reds? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. There's no, there's no value in creating this. Um, and I think maybe that's the other thing that's missing here is we do know that in the world of wine, in the world of champagnes and such, there are like wineries that for whom it pays to be in the business of like, producing elite quality uh mm-hmm. wine. Um and that's kind of the bar they have to hit. And part of that is reputation and part of that is like actual like prowess. But this doesn't feel like a game that has any way to comprehend that business model where it's like no, if you want to operate in this space, if you want to be in the sweet spot of like y- every year we are producing like perfect best in class wines here is here's what that requires here's how little margin for error uh that allows and this is a game that has so many big margins to keep it easy for you uh Mm -hmm. that it just it was so hard for me to sustain interest
1: yeah yeah i felt like it would like like some sort of a more complex reputation system would have gone a long way um you know even having reputations for certain vines where like you're your really, really high-end elite buyers won't even come to you until you've produced, you know, a couple 95s in a row. Um, being able to enter your wines in competitions and earn medals for them or something like that would have been cool. Having to deal with the press more. I think, you know, what the few times I've gotten sucked into, like, a career mode in a sports game, which are generally not usually my thing, but, like the like, the whole managing endorsement deals and talking to the press and stuff is usually part of what I really enjoy about games like that. So, um, you know, having to talk to the press about why, you know, your your Barbera wasn't that great this year, you know, that would have been an interesting layer to add to it. Um, it all seems like they were just, they were trying to keep it simple. They were trying to keep it about the core processes, the very basic process of making wine, and they wanted you to have this idyllic, like, Italian vacation lifestyle... Yes and never have to really feel stressed out or pressured uh financially.
2: Yeah, and that makes me wonder who the intended audience is for this though, right? Like if you're making a management game, there's lots of things out there that you can look at and go, okay, well, we need some serious mechanics in here or or nobody's really going to like it in this in in the audience that generally exists for management games. So, um was this just just meant to be sort of a a a smaller game aimed for kind of a different audience sometimes i get a vibe from the ui that that maybe it's something that would work on an ipad or something like that well
0: (laughs) given that it it struggles to register mouse clicks reliably um, like (laughs) yeah certainly seems like maybe there's a touch interface thing that's that's supposed to be happening here yeah, because um, I sure had to mash the button pretty hard to to get a few clicks to go through. Um, yeah, no, I think it, I, I think it is a very light casual game, um, uh-huh. and I think maybe the but the thing is, I also don't feel like it's that far off from being a really good game about yeah. like running a wine like running a winery. I think mm-hmm. it just needs some negative feedback loops and some like slightly more friction in terms of like what can happen day to day. And I think this could be a very cool game. Um, I think, I think it's already like my first few hours with it. I enjoyed quite a bit. I found it charming. And then as I realized, like the scale didn't really go to more interesting places. I found it less charming. It was a good, it was a good six hours. And then it was sort of a mediocre five hours, and i I'm kind of done with it. but it's not hard for me to look at it and think, you know, if they'd done a few things differently, mm-hmm. um, and shit, this does feel like a case of if you just tweaked a few of the variables that are in play, um this could be really interesting, right like if 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 you bring in a bad harvest. And rushing production could produce real skunk quality wine reliably. (laughs) Um, That could be that could be interesting where it's like, oh, no, um, I got addicted to shipping high volume swill to uh, retailers. And now my my margins are nothing. And I really need to improve my reputation. And I don't see how.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I I would also really like it if if um, the units of stuff that you were dealing with were. Um, or broken down a bit like instead of just having my entire harvest from this particular vineyard um, as an undifferentiated mass it would be kind of interesting if um, you know you put all that in in barrels and you're aging it for a while and uh, one of your one of the cellar rooms had some temperature problem and now you've got like this one bunch of it that doesn't that that wasn't supposed to happen to it and now can you do something with it can you save it can you do yeah if you were if you're if that happened earlier on in the process could you then treat that differently and maybe you invent something that'd be neat
1: well the other thing is they they only give you the option of like like every harvest is a single harvest and you can keep a certain percentage of it which increases the quality and then the rest always just gets thrown away. You don't have the option of being like, all right, we're going to use this best part of the harvest for prestige wine, and then we're not going to throw the rest away. We're going to make it into a commercial wine of some kind. Um, Yeah, it's like a it's it's like a one time decision of like, we're keeping this, we're throwing everything else out. Um, The other thing is, I found like certain parts of it are 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 fairly um, opaque. And they don't really explain like, okay, if I, if my tank says that it's like halfway to needing a cleaning, does that do anything? Like, does starting with a pristine tank reduce the chance that I'm going to get off flavors? Because sometimes you'll get these off flavors pop up. It doesn't really tell you where they came from. Sometimes you'll get like good extra flavors. Like this red has black pepper in it, and I'm like, did that come from the soil? Did that come from something I did? Was that just a random chance that that can happen every year? I didn't really understand that whole uh, side of the process much at all.
0: Yeah, I think it's just like things being dirty increases the risk of like uh, like bad things happening at certain points of the production. But yeah, in terms of pests and everything, um, I don't know, I got really good at preventive measures and mostly those yeah. seem to work pretty flawlessly. Um, it did seem like if something broke out in one part of the vineyard uh something we get out of control uh pretty fast um but yeah i think i think that's their thing is it doesn't explain certain things and it doesn't create a really good sense of how one element is influencing uh another but you know for all that i i like i don't know i kind of like it um i found it pretty charming
1: yeah I think you can get it. You can get a good about eight to ten hours of fun out of it. I really, really like designing my own bottles and seeing seeing my label on there, and you know, picking the the cork and the bottle shape and all that stuff that that does something for me. And uh, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely enjoyment to be had, even if it's not something I think would be like endlessly replayable.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I can't agree with any of these things. <laughs> I ha- Give I have it to, to us. I have Lay to be myself. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. just, I don't think. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend this to to people. I think, I think that um, it, there are some interesting base ideas like there, there's there's some potential to talk about these things i think that's why why we got to thinking about where it could go but i think where it is right now um with, with how limited it is and how much the story is nails on a chalkboard i i yeah i can't I, it doesn't make any sense to me to to pay 28. well 28 Canadian dollars i think this was and um yeah it's just i it's not it's not for me that's for sure all right <laughs> well we can
0: send this swill back to the uh back to the kitchen then uh and and leave it there for for 100 days um if you're if you are a more discriminating, pa- discriminating palate perhaps not for you uh <laughs> but if you just want a nice wider red while you're kicking back at the end of the day uh i think it might treat you just right um i think len and i will be the wine moms of 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 3ma for for today i just want champagnes Um, only yeah just just Ah. pulling just pulling that tasteless shard out of the fridge and just (laughs) guzzling it uh all right that will do it for this episode of three moves ahead it is hosted in the Addle thumbs network as always it is supported by listeners just like you on patreon you can learn more at patreon.com slash 3ma this episode was produced by none other than Len here. Uh, thank you, Len, as always. we will
1: probably be drinking a tasteless shard while I edit it, too. So. Well,
0: we we don't deserve anything better. Uh, <laughs> no, so no, not, so that's yeah. the people we are. Yeah. Um, we will be back uh, next week with another episode of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, for Len, for Mike, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight.